0: Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. Hello, Henrietta.
1: Hi, Jason. How are you?
0: I am doing well. How are you?
1: I'm not too bad today. Where exactly in the world are you
0: right now? Well, I am still in South America. I am currently in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, I'm getting ready to leave, in fact, tomorrow. But yes, I've been here for about three weeks and it has served me very well. It's an ideal summer day and that's how I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I can.
1: I feel like I could hear the ocean just in your aura, and your voice. In, yes, it sounds quite magical. So I am not in the sun. I don't remember what that is. I wish you well.
0: <laughs> well, well, thank you. I, after this recording, I will be headed to the beach and I will be spending my last day there, relaxing and reposing and very happy for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> till then, Henrietta, we have a conversation at hand and uh, this conversation is, you know, unfortunately, uh, some recent conversations has been about death is involved. Um, and this one, we are going to talk about Andra Leon Tally today. I find it fitting, you know, sometimes when people die, all of a sudden, everyone comes out of the woodworks, and there's all this commentary, and everyone is uh, associating themselves to their legacy, and to the history, and whatever photo was taken at whatever time, is like it's posted, and the whole thing, not to say I don't, there's anything wrong with with that, but there is, there's history to our conversation, and we did discuss Andre Leontali, and his let's say his legacy about a couple of years ago. And that was with the publication of his book, The Ship on Trenches. And we just thought that there was just a lot of, a lot in there for particularly as black professionals to lean into. There was, you know, a lot of, we. I think we, we called it a cautionary tale at the time. And we really, uh, really dissected what he represented for, you know, for us as black professionals and what he represented as the industry overall. And now with his legacy, with his death rather, I think this is a really integral time to really like dig down into what he represented, what he's leaving behind and what we can learn from the life and legacy of Angelion Talley.
1: Yes, I think everything you said is true. I think what we can take away from the life and legacy of Andre Leon Talley is really an interesting question because I think it really comes down to how deeply we want to look at the story. I think, of course, he was an icon, a legend, the first to do many things, a larger-than-life character who is synonymous with Vogue and sort of high fashion with a capital F, and his knowledge as essentially a fashion historian. All of those things are true, but I think that there are deeper and more complicated narratives around his story and his legacy that I don't know, maybe it's too soon, but that people aren't really looking at right now. And so I think it's interesting in the... I think it's interesting, like, what happens when, you know, your legacy isn't as clear-cut as, he was amazing and perfect, like, wonderful. We've seen that with uh, recent deaths of what feels like so many... Black people and people of colour, whether you think of, you know, Virgil or bell hooks or Sidney Poitier, I feel like the list is endless at this point. There's been a lot of loss over the last few months. I feel like for right or wrong, for whatever reason, there has been sort of a general consensus on the legacy. And I think here, there is, there being a cautionary tale. For the most part, the obituaries have been glowing and talking about Things that, to be honest, may or may not have even happened, (laughs) if I'm honest. And there are some people who are remembering the truth, that is, talking about the dicey parts of his career and what that actually did mean to and did for people of colour in the industry. And so I think that's really where the story is in terms of what does his legacy really teach us it depends on how willing we are to look at the truth versus the sort of overarching consensus of what it is, if that makes any sense.
0: It, it, it does make sense. And I don't think it's ever too early to look at the truth. I think one should always look at the truth in real time, posthumously and whenever else. Why, why write a storyline or why you know, talk about a storyline that's inaccurate, that's untruthful? And I'll step back a little bit and, you know, I, Andre has loomed sort of large in my life, not through a direct relationship with him, but more peripherally speaking. And, and I will step back even further. Um, maybe other people have heard this in fashion, but I have heard this ad nauseum. You know, everyone has referred to me, uh, you know, sort of the shortcut way of, of identifying me. Oh, you're so, you're such an Andre Leontalli. Oh, you're, you're, you're so like Andre Leontalli. They speak about, you know, the sort of like extravagant fashions, the the intellect, the global networking and all that sort of stuff. A black man, you know, with a bombastic voice. And quite opinionated and all those sort of things. Those things have always been leveled on me. And 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 as an original, Andre has always been considered original. I guess they consider me an original as well, but it's always been very strange. I don't know if originals want to be compared to another original. <laughs> so I've never <laughs> I've never really embraced that. I've never I've never taken that as a compliment. I've never taken that as some sort of like exalting of myself somehow. I've always just sort of been like, okay, well, Andre Leontali uh, is a is a smart figure. and he certainly is very accomplished in his own right, and that is his storyline, and that's great. I know who I I am, and perfectly comfortable in my skin, and I know that I've had a sort of a come-up, maybe one may align with his, but we're very, very different animals and taking it a little bit more to the personality and to the choices that we've made in our professional lives. Andre, as I said, has loomed in my life, and we've been, you know, in, in close proximity. But I have to express to you, and I think I may have expressed this in the other podcast when we spoke about the cautionary tale of Andre, Andre has never been gracious to me. Andre has never been curious with me. We have been in very intimate situation where in another for another black man of my presence sort of juxtaposed against an Andre with his presence. Anyone like like himself should be curious and should lean in and should try to understand who this other black person is in this room of bold faced esteemed names, whether it be at a at a small gathering at the Ritz in Paris or some gathering in London or myriad, you know, salons in New York. I would I'm sometimes that, or have often been that other black man in that room. But Andre has never, ever, I mean, when I mean ever, ever leaned into me as a person and been like, well, who is this guy? Why is this guy so close to Anna Wintour, at least, you know, in proximity and can, you know, speak to her? Those kind of things were never, you know, there were never many examples like myself. And so I have to say, for all of those people who spoke about or speak about what Andre has done for them... Andre has done none of those things for me. And I also know, you know, I also know other people in this industry where one would think that they would have a relationship with Andre by virtue of the positions that they have pulled, but he also never showed them that that level of grace. So it's not to take away anything from the relationships that he had with those individuals, Black individuals particularly, that he helped, that he helped to steer their careers, that he helped to put them in rooms and at tables that they were not invited to or welcome at. I can't speak to that, but I will honor that because from the newer accounts that we have heard, he has done my friend Sandy Bass mentioning story from way back in the 70s when she was a part of the Givenchy uh, cabine, and Andre was so excited by this all-black cabine at Givenchy that he defied the editor-in-chief at, at, at WWD, where he was the fashion director at the time, to put them at the, on the cover. And so I got to look at those kind of examples and how significant and meaningful that was as a black editor, one of a kind, to make such a bold move defying his editor-in-chief because he felt that that was important and that's just one example. I've read numerous other examples of where he made a decision as a black editor, as a black influencer, and as a cultural critic where he has made decisions where he has centered black people historically. There are a number of those kind of examples. So I cannot take that away from him, but I have to say that personally from my observations, from you know being a recipient of his largesse or his grace or his curiosity, I have never received any of that. But let's move that aside and go back to what he has done and why his value and his legacy will, is important and will, and will continue sort of like to, to be valued, let's say.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think of his legacy as like a very human story in many ways, or a human journey, should I say, because people's lives actually aren't stories in the sense that I think when a lot of people are eulogised, it's always obviously looking at the best of their lives and, and the better qualities and attributes. Of course, I think in death, that is ultimately what we want to take away. But I think the brass tacks of it all, I think his journey and therefore his legacy should really kind of be remembered a bit more as a human one because it wasn't perfect you know, not that anybody is, but I think that there's quite a bit of misremembering, particularly with a lot of his recent work where he was really championing artists of colour, people of colour, designers of colour. He just really was, at that point, that wasn't actually the case throughout his career. And I've been reading a couple of accounts where some people did tell the truth and got blasted for it, which I think was quite unfair but I do think that there is an importance to tell the truth if not now at some point I guess the issue with if it's not now you know those stories get kind of calcified and it's really hard to deviate away from that with any other narrative but I think that it's worth looking at because it's not bad it's I don't think we mean this in a mean-spirited way or we're trying to dredge up the negatives and to overshadow the positives. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying people are very contradictory and humans are layered. And from my personal experience as I talk about this, for instance, today is the one-year anniversary of my father's death. He died a year ago from COVID while I was still in chemo. And you know, that was really tough because on one hand, you know, you're devastated and you're grieving and you're sad. Specifically in my case, I was having, I was in treatment in New York and he died here in London. But for the same token, while I was feeling all of these feelings of loss and grief, it was really complicated because it was also tangled up in the truth that, you know, he wasn't a perfect man and he had many flaws and those flaws really played out in his life and in our relationship in a way that caused rifts and issues and a lot of internal turmoil. And my point in bringing that up is that while Andre Leontelli was all of the wonderful things that he was and that we reference, there is a cautionary tale in terms of how in how he navigated his career and in the decisions that he made. Ultimately, even if you look at the way that... the way that he was unceremoniously detached, shall we say, from the institution that is Vogue and I guess all of the privileges, shall we say, and opportunity that came from that, he really did sort of speak the truth about his relationship with Anna and the way that he was treated. And I do think that maybe that, in many ways, was responsible for maybe the way that he had treated others like yourself. But I think it's really important to think about those things. And when you think about how he was really trying to work and get into this sort of digital age with like podcasting, he was doing the Vogue podcast before, and it was very kind of topsy-turvy. And that came to an abrupt end. He was evicted from his place in New York. He was really trying to find his feet again after Vogue. And a lot of the people that are actually eulogising him in a way that is you know really speaking about this idea of this pristine career and life and attitude, many of those people weren't really here for it when he was struggling or when he was on the back foot, and this idea that, okay, it's a sided situation. we side with Vogue, we side with Anna for various reasons, which relate to business and upward mobility, et cetera. But I do think that all of those things do need to be discussed because I do think that there is a cautionary tale in that he really largely built his career on Vogue, upon the legacy of Vogue and his connection to Vogue and his connection to white women who hold high esteem in the industry. We see what happens when they uh, either go away, you know, maybe they pass, maybe they leave the industry, or when they turn on you. And I think that that really needs to be looked at. And I think that a lot of people are obviously focusing on Vogue's delay to posting anything on social media and their website. But I think that there's also so many other things that we need to be thinking about because that in and of itself is very complicated in terms of the way that you know, he conducted his career and himself and all of those things. It's very much a human story, but I think it's very much worth looking at because he was the only one. And I think that legacy is important to be remembered accurately.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up that point. Somehow I overlooked that. um, And you were speaking about how he was somehow, well, how he was not taken care of by society. And I have to tell you, Henrietta, and again, I may have discussed this in our last episode where we discussed Andre, but that is a lesson I learned actually through Andre's, let's say, folly. I learned about my own situation, and I'm also, another way that we are, you know, comparable, let's say, is that I also, I'm a part of New York society of rich white women being their personal stylist. I have developed a very sort of enviable client list over the last 15 to 20 years, where essentially I am that, you know, I'm, the, I'm, not, a, I'm not a, what do you call those, handlers, or what are the beards? What's that person who sort of walk, a walker? <laughs> like, we're in the walker of rich women. Women, but I'm certainly one of those who have access to, you know, to these sort of Tony homes in New York and have relationships, close relationships with a lot of these rich women. But I, but I learned um, very early on, actually, I learned very early on that I'm very much there for service. And I am not a part of the society, though I have great access to that society. That I'm not someone who's going to be sort of exalted and taken care of in the ways that say, my white counterpart, like a Derek Glassberg, is taken care of by those society women that we share, that we have in common. I've, I may have mentioned that a couple times in this forum, but I'll mention it again because it is a, it's a truth that I've come to understand. Me looking at Andre, I've always wondered how he, has, how he did not understand that ultimately he was not one of them. By, you know, just because you can access Chanel and you can go into the salon of whatever social x-ray in New York, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are one of them. And he had decades he had decades to really understand that. And that's where I felt a bit of the folly was, is that you almost drank this Kool-Aid of your own making that really ultimately didn't serve you. And when you, when you read quotes like, you know, I think he mentioned this in, in the, the Chippon trenches, you can choose to be aristocratic without having been born into an aristocratic family. Things like that, that I'm just like, <laughs> you know, if, if we're to draw that you know, sort of delineate between our, our 2 Two lives. I don't credit, you know, aristocratic world. I'm not a royalist. I, I feel that, you know, I don't I don't honor those kind of systems. And someone like an Andre who honors those kind of systems, honors the ju- the duchesses and the ladies of the world that he has access to and can be able to, you know, enter their world. And they are elitist, better than individuals. I think that's where the sort of like flying close, too close to the sun scenario came in, and ultimately it just left left a very checkered. And a very complex legacy where you cannot take away from his incredible erudite knowledge that allowed him to operate in those spaces that ultimately he knew more than most of those women buying those, you know, Louis Fifteen furnitures and all those sort of things. His knowledge was far surpassed the ladies that, you know, sort of surrounded him and who ultimately can acquire those things. And, can and his afford those things and his peers, and Mm -hmm. his peers, but still yet, still yet, as a Black man in that space, he was never going to be afforded the level of respect that comes with that kind of knowledge, experience, exposure, simply because of his Blackness.
1: Right, so that's, you know, you did note that we both noted at one point in this conversation that it is quite complex, and I would Say that this is also one of those instances because I do think that while he was immersed in society and all of these like rich white women and socialites and um, high end designers, I do think that a lot of people saw him for who he was, which is an incredible and brilliant talent, right? And so I think that if you think about the people that really anchored um, a lot of his career while also being really dear friends to him. If you think about Saint Laurent, if you think about Karl Lagerfeld, if you think about Lee Raswell, these are people who have who have passed. And I think with that, his real sort of roots in fashion, if Karl Lagerfeld was alive today, if Lee Raswell was alive today, I think not his demise, that's quite dramatic, but the way that things ended and the way that things played out after Vogue would have looked very different. It's surprising to me that he wasn't taken up by one of the kind of adjacent competitors like a interview or W Magazine or a Vanity Fair. Like He should have been working more than he was during his latter years. Yes, I do understand what you're saying to a certain extent, but I think that he really did believe that he was in all of those rooms, in everyone's presence, based on the merit of who he was and what he knew. I mean, he was fiercely intelligent. So I can see how he wouldn't necessarily see that and how it'd be really disappointing when certain things happen that kind of alludes to this idea that he's not one of them very differently from you because you were very astute and aware of that at the very beginning but that's also because you didn't ever want to be a part of that anyway like you know it'd be like your worst it'd be like your worst nightmare to be part of these like society women and living in that world you move through the world very differently and your outlook on fashion and the world is very different and so I wouldn't fault him for wanting to be a part of that world and that being the focus for the large part of his career, but we should be able to acknowledge that. That's kind of my point about telling the truth. It's not a derogatory thing. I'm not saying it in a way of like, we need to look at this because he wasn't really about that. That's not my point. The point is that we should just acknowledge that versus saying, no, throughout his career, he was like all of these other things because I think it leads us into this sort of false narrative that doesn't teach us anything. I feel like I'm... Half making sense in each of these rambles.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know what detail. You know what detail I must in you uh, expressing yourself right there. I have to. I have to highlight this. There's this detail, and I have to say that also has resonance with me. This little sort of point that I've read a couple times, where Anna was just Anna Wintour, that is, uh, was quoted as saying, "You know, historically, her fashion knowledge or her fashion history knowledge was never great, but Andres was impeccable." That resonates with me a great deal, because often in this milieu, you know, it's with a talent. Andre's uh, knowledge was so outside, so that, that excellence was, uh, was obviously there, and someone like an Anna, who always had the power and was the architect of that world, you know, you can't help to speak to the sponging off. You know, to the sucking off of that knowledge from this black talent while still not giving him the respect and the accolades that he finds. You recognize him as a great mind. That's great and all dandy, but I'm sure, especially in this latter part of his life, he wanted the dignity of not having to have these financial you know, transgressions and so forth. And I have to tell you, in my own world, in my own world, that became very evident to me quite a while ago. I know much more. I know much more. And not one of my clients that I have. Worked with for nearly twenty years knows any more than me or knows comparable to me in this fashion game. They have taken my script and yes, that's what I'm paid for. Ultimately, they take my script, they take my taste, and that's what they essentially pay for. But if you were to let them to their own devices, they would literally come with a fraction of the knowledge and the taste that you deliver. And so I just have to qualify that again: as someone like an Andre, as someone like an Andre still even in his excellence still gets marginalized at the top of his field at the top of his game even with the the, the sort of like intellectual respect that he gets he is ne- he was never sort of like fully, completely received into that world and got all the privileges and all the rewards. Yeah, the privileges of the private cars and the you know the, the, the custom jackets and all this sort of stuff for a time, but with what he delivered to this industry, that should have literally put him in his grave in a very dignified and comfortable way. And, you know, I guess that's, a, that's still a question mark, but I also have to note, and this may be a little off-color, but even Andre, you know, sort of like dying in sort of this gl- gluttonous way that he has. I mean, look at all the other players. You don't see Valentino going to his grave like that. Valentino, you see, is pampered on his boat and, like, very well taken care of. Karl Lagerfeld made a very graceful, very chic um, exit. Yves Saint Laurent did the same thing. So many of the predecessors, so many of those sort of, like, high society designers and all these sort of, like, luminaries in fashion... They were able to go out in a dignified way. And look at the way that we're discussing Andre. It's very, it's very complex. There's, yes, there's dignity, but there's also a lot of sort of ratchetness as well while he's being put into his grave. And that goes because that is the case because this man simply that he was a black man in this constellation. I have to know that.
1: It's just really sad. And I think that his story really is a cautionary tale of the way that fashion treats people, particularly people of color. And even to your point about Anna Winters' knowledge of fashion history, it was another form of mining. She saw how Andre made Vogue better. And when it no longer served her, because it was all about social media and podcasts and whatnot, she didn't see the need for an Andre Leontelli. A lot of people might disagree. There was uh, Robin Givon's piece in the Washington Post uh, before, I believe, the Chiffon Trenches came out, or maybe just when it came out, where she was saying that he basically didn't get it. You know, the idea of the the grandeur and the glamour and the expensive shoots and the idea of luxury with a capital L, with fashion with a capital F, that's really not where we are anymore, particularly in the throes of COVID and when people are redefining the idea of luxury and people are communicating in very different ways. I get that. But that didn't mean he had no place in the industry. I don't think that he was really that resistant to change. When you do think about the way that he was unceremoniously detached and then publicly evicted and his business handlings and his lack of wealth was well documented and all of that stuff and even the key takeaways from his book he literally documented his entire life <laughs> and the takeaways were very much kind of entangled in his relationship with Anna Winter. It was a bit kind of tabloid gossipy and I just can't help but think that that's It's just really sad. And so to then see how he's memorialised by the industry, it's like, but where were you at the point of his quote-unquote demise? It's just all very, it's just really sad. By looking at the truth, we actually get to, I think, assess how we are as an industry, how we navigate as people of colour through this same industry. And while many things are different, obviously, than the 60s, the, uh, sorry, than the 70s and the 80s, a lot remains the same. And so I just think that it really is incumbent on us to look at the truth of who he is. And I think that the complexities of it are not really being examined in the same way. You know, it's either like, people criticizing and being like yeah but he didn't do this and he wasn't really about that and like he was hanging out with these white white, rich white women and like you know when they turn on him like blah 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 and then there are people that are eulogizing him in the complete opposite way which is like he's always championed people of color he's the one that made all these things happen he's been on this since the 70s which is also untrue and so I think that when we talk about things that are a bit more complicated there has to be space for that assessment, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, because I still have brain fog from COVID. I think just, and I keep trying to qualify it because I really just don't want anybody like our listeners or anybody listening to this really feel like we are trying to say, he wasn't perfect. Look at this, look at this, look at this. And we're picking out the strings of all of the kind of downfalls or flaws. That's really not what this is. It really is about like Fashion's inability to tell the truth. Essentially, I think that there is a bit of a an issue. If you look at the race issue, that it it was always you can't talk about it. It doesn't exist until June of 2020. Then it was like it does exist, and now everything's black. But it turned out that behind the scenes, that wasn't the case. It's just there's just always this kind of smokes and mirrors component to fashion that I do think, to a certain degree, does need to disappear. Obviously, we're selling people things that they don't necessarily need, and there's an element of marketing and making things seem desirable. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it comes to the industry and the tenets on which it stands on, truth really should be one of them,
0: <laughs> you know? I Well, I 100% agree with that. But I will, I'll leave with... Two more points that also struck with me in you know in all this eulogizing around Andre Leon Talley, and one of them was was made by uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and the, I'm not sure the exact quote she speaks to him about being so many things that he wasn't becoming so many things or being so many things that he wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be. I thought that, that, that stuck with me as well. I, I understand that. I sometimes find myself, um, you know, thinking the very same thing. I'm from a, you know, a rural place on the mountainside of, of Jamaica, you know, and some of the, the spaces that I occupy, is like, you're more supposed to be there and you understand how that is. And you, you, you sometimes question yourself as to, Oh my God, who gave me the tools Who gave me the education to be able to navigate these spaces, there's there's really something in that, and and the, the esteemed rooms, let's say that he found himself in, with the personalities that he found himself amongst. I can only imagine uh, how he had to, how he was able to navigate those kind of spaces. So I have to give a bit of um a bit of nod to that. And then finally, someone mentioned that what's also really sad is with all that knowledge that dies with him, mm-hmm. and though, though he recorded so much, of course, so much. I, I also feel that there is also so much that he took away that is not recorded anywhere that he lived and that he experienced, and that a could have, uh, that could have been great knowledge transfer for a whole generations, but it just didn't it didn't take place for a complexity of reasons. But um, I, I had to know that.
1: I do. I that is one thing that struck me also because it's really going to be up to. The younger generations to really do their research on Andre Leontelli and who he was and why he was so important, because there wasn't really a community of people around him that were able to transfer on and transfer on. Like when I think of a Virgil, for instance, he really built community. And I think that his legacy will live out through that community who then go on to inf- influence and inform other communities and generations and so on and so forth, that will almost be like a family tree that maps back up to him. But I don't know that that's the case with Andre. There wasn't really a community of people around him. A lot of the community that he had, unfortunately, has, has passed. That is something that I do feel really sad about, particularly when you think of the people who are here, who really were able to just really get a personal download of of who he was and all that he knew and all that he believed in. It is the likes of Anna Winters who really are only maybe potentially going to use it moving forward to serve themselves to that point of not passing on the knowledge, I guess, to a greater community of people. One of the things that I'll leave with is Sandy Leblay, who was kind of really on point, and she just said that these fashion royals have no bloodline, but Andre Liotelli is the father. A bad father, yes. A neglectful father, yes. A father who'd rather chase white women than tend to his black, brown, and mixed babies, yes. But how many of us have daddies like this in real life? And I think that two things can be true. He could be absolutely wonderful and all of his brilliance absolutely informs and serves generations after him and an entire community of people of colour. And he did pave the way for many of us to walk through the doors that he opened simply by being himself. But I do think that there is also another element of that that really speaks to his neglect and what his priorities were And, you know, she really talks about this idea of having rich delusions and poor priorities, which I think Mm. is another thing that's really on point. And I guess my only thing about truth Telling is that we should just know that because it's a cautionary tale, not just for people of colour in the industry, but also it's a wake-up call to the industry in terms of its fashion zone legacy, I guess.
0: 100%. And Henrietta, on that note, I, you know, I'm glad we had this opportunity to discuss um, Andre Leon Talley again. I'm sure that he will uh, appear uh, at, at least in symbol, maybe in another episode. But uh, but I'm glad we're able to to try to make some sense of this legacy. And uh, we would love the participation of the audience on this one. This is a this is a complex one. And I'm in the midst of writing a, a, a eulogy myself for the business of fashion. And so this has been very helpful in helping me formulating um, some sort of my own ideas and thoughts on this. So thank you.
1: No, I'm glad. Um, But yeah, it's really sad that he's passed. It's just, it feels like it's just one thing after another, if someone is. Every time I get a New York Times breaking news, I'm always like, (gasps) filled with anxiety before I kind of look at it, look at my screen.
0: And people say, the end. you know, often use this phrase, but it is the end of an era. To have an Andre Leon Talley's presence not in the industry, it feels like something has, has ended. So, uh, yes, we, we do want, he has to be recognized. And I think we wrote that his contribution to this industry is undeniable, whichever mm-hmm. way you like that. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, my love, on that note, we will see you the next time. Bye. Bye.
1: Time for something